The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer, and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I learned from God's Word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. You know, one of the things uh, people may not know about Pastor C and I, and I think Marshall, Pastor Henry, Jabu, our elders, they know this, I've shared this with them, is that the Lord gave us a promise right at the start of our ministry. He said, uh, whenever you release one or whenever one leaves, I'm going to send you ten. And so we, we never, you know, get discouraged when one person we get excited because we know ooh, it's about it's about to get awesome and so there are those that live graciously we send them away and then those that just kind of peck and disappear and we still get 10 on both it's kind of awesome how it works you know we just get 10 on both so it's awesome and so man this is this is fantastic i like this for young people man hey if all you know is william this is for real if you are young anybody below 25 Man, save some money. Go somewhere. Get a hunch your neighbor said, do you even have a passport to start with? <laughs> Moving right along very fast. <laughs> so we're starting a new series, right? We're going to be talking about what I call uh, Romans, uh, the grace of God in effect. So we're going to be looking at the book of Romans, and we're not going to be going verse by verse because that would take us uh, literally 52 weeks. And so we're just going to be going in there and uh, picking some uh, highlights, the things that I believe will be a blessing to you. And uh, we're going to be looking at those things and sharing one with another and then uh, encourage each other. Now, the book of Romans is really uh, uh, the Apostle Paul's masterpiece on grace, right? If you want to learn about the grace of God, uh, you need to uh, uh, read the book of Romans and uh, grace really is the opposite of legalism. You and I live in what is known as the uh, a dispensation of grace which is also known as the church age. You know there's been dispensations uh, six dispensations building up to what we live uh, today. You know uh, uh, the dispensation in the beginning was the dispensation of innocence and then it became the dispensation of conscience you know where every man through their conscience determined what was right and wrong and then the dispensation of uh, the Tower of uh, Babel, which was human government, where people thought they could run their own lives and make their own plans outside of God. And it, you know, we all know how that turned out, right? And then after that was the dispensation of the promise, where God gave the promise to Abraham. And that entire generation lived on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was their covenant. And after that was the dispensation of the law. So you can tell that grace was the beginning, because 
all the first six dispensations, uh, uh, four dispensations were under grace. And then the fifth one, which is the dispensation of the law, was an addendum with an expiry date. That's what scripture calls it in Galatians. And the expiry date was Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross. And he transitioned us into what we live now, the sixth dispensation known as the dispensation of grace. Amen. Uh, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but he deals or he relates with us based on different covenants. After our dispensation that we live, you know, the dispensation of the church, the church age, the dispensation of grace, uh, there's going to be seven years of, you know, uh, craziness. I call it tribulation, right? And after that, we're going to go into the millennial reign of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, where all of us uh, born-again believers will live for a thousand years under the government of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's the first time I'm going to be excited paying taxes. Praise the Lord, because I know Jesus will take care of them bad boys in a way that it's going to be a different thing. It's going to be a different, completely different thing. Amen. And so uh, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans is, is showing the church at Rome uh, uh, that legalism is not the way to have a relationship with God. Now, legalism is not an act. Okay? Legalism is an attitude. It's an insidious attitude. It's a harmful attitude uh, that people carry around. It's a philosophy, if you will, uh, uh, because think about it. All of us have to be kind at some point in our lives. All of us have to pray at some point in our lives. All of us have to be generous. All these different things that we do, but we can either do them from a legalistic perspective, which says I'm doing these things to attain approval from God through my own actions, or we can receive God's approval, and then from God's approval, the actions become the fruit of our relationship with God. So there's a difference between uh, a, a man, for example, you know, the Apostle Paul uses that, uh, the, that relationship between uh, a marriage, between a man and a woman to explain further in chapter number seven. But if you're a man married to your wife and, 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 and if you're living under the legalism of the marriage, this is what it would look like. The wife would say to you, uh, this is the law and these are the consequences. The law is you come back at 7 p.m. and the consequences are you sleep on the couch. And so if you want to keep that that law, uh, you usually come back at 6.59, uh, 40, 47 seconds, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, you walk inside the house. So your action was based on the threat of consequences and, you know, experiencing that. Now, if you are the same guy, you, you know, and you understand grace, you know, your wife treats you by grace, you're going to have an inward uh, thing, right? That's the grace of God, inward feeling or fuel that tells you, hey, I want to be at home so I can spend time with my family, so I can spend time with my wife. That way, you don't have to wait until it's 6.59 just so you can make it. You show up at 5.32, you do uh, uh, what's expected and more. And so I've seen it with people who give uh, through legalism. They, they usually give to the penny. So, for example, if you're giving your tithes through legalism and God says, you know, I want 10%, usually they say, okay, Lord, here's your 10%, 3,432,86. Because I just want to make sure I'm not robbing you, but I also want to make sure you are not robbing me. Amen. 
And so when you look at the real grace of God, you realize that God's grace is a fuel for more. This is why when you look in the book of uh, Ephesians, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul talks about our position in Christ. And the last three chapters, he talks about the effects of our position in Christ. He tells you, now you can use your position in Christ to treat your parents right. You can use your position in Christ to treat your bosses right. It shows you that grace is an effect. If you look in the book of Galatians, it starts off from chapter number 1 to chapter number 4. And it tells them, hey, we are saved by grace. This is the grace of God. It's available and it's working through you. When it gets to chapter number 5, it says, but these are the fruits of the flesh. In other words, if you don't understand grace, this is what you're going to produce. So true Bible grace, a revelation of true Bible grace will always have action. Amen. Can I get an Amen. In fact, a revelation of God's grace without action is a missed opportunity. If you read in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, uh, verse 10 in uh, the NIV, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, but by the grace of God, the what? The grace of God. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without what? Effect. So the grace of God ought to have an effect on you. Amen. He says this grace was not without effect. It was not without a consequence. But what was the consequence? No, I worked harder. So <laughs> if you're under grace, you do more than what the Old Testament did. You love harder. Yeah. Just one year <laughs> over here. The Old Testament tried to love from a law perspective. They needed a law to tell them, love your neighbor as you love yourself. The New Testament uh, saints with the grace of God are fueled to love hard. To forgive hard. Ooh. Aren't you never and ask them, did you bring any amens today? Just checking. Did you bring any amens? Just checking their wallet. Just checking. Their... Ooh, boy, I'm telling you. Man, I'm telling you, this is, this is the truth. He says, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the what? The grace of God which was with me. And so this is why we're calling this series Romans, the grace of God and its effect on us. Amen? And so just a quick uh, look at the book of uh, uh, Romans. The structure is this, uh, chapter number one to five. You know, Paul establishes our positional truth with regards to salvation. And then chapter number six to eight, uh, Paul reveals the application of this positional truth, watch this now, to daily living. Why? Because grace without action is a missed opportunity. Chapter number nine to 11, you know, the apostle Paul begins to show us how the nation of Israel fits into the grace picture. And then chapter number 12, he goes back and he starts continuing uh, showing us how to live under the grace of God uh, with our government. He shows us, he tells us uh, all the things that you need to know about uh, being a grace person in the dispensation that we live in. Can I get an amen? And so we're going to uh, go straight to uh, Romans chapter number one, uh, verse uh, number 10. We're going to go to Romans chapter number 1, uh, verse 10 uh, to 16. And this is what he says uh, in verse 10. I'm reading in the NKJV. The Apostle Paul is praying and he says, I pray, I'm uh, making request if by some means now 
uh, at last I may find a way in the will of God uh, to come to you. And so the Apostle Paul was praying and he wanted really to go to Rome. He hadn't gone to meet the believers in, uh, in Rome. So he really wanted to go and spend time with them. And he reveals to us uh, what I call the three uh, reasons for his visit, which have become, in my own life, the three motivations for ministry. These are the three motivations for ministry. If you ever want to do something uh, for God, God to use you, these are the three motivations that the Apostle Paul had for the church at Rome. And it had nothing to do about, you know, building his own empire. It had everything to do about ministering to people and seeing transformed lives, which is what we said last week. We said, hey, our vision has everything to do with, with the people, seeing the people of God go to the next level. And man, I'm telling you, in this church, we've seen people just go to the next level every single week. Amen? And so he says this. These are the three motivations uh, for ministry for all of us. We can learn from this. And this is what he said. He said, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established or so that you may have stability. If you look up that word impart in the Greek, it is the word uh, to share something very important. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, I want to meet with you so that I can give to you. Amen? And so your only reason for wanting anything to do with ministry is so that you can give something. It is not so that you can take something. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. He says, I'm coming. I want to come, but I want to bring something. When Jesus sent his disciples in Matthew chapter number 10, he says, don't take anything for yourself. Take one thing, the blessing, shalom, but it's not for you. It is for everyone who welcomes you. Because as we go out into the world, as we participate in ministry, the goal is to give something. Amen? It is not to try and get something out of it. If you do that, uh, you will be uh, unsuccessful in ministry. The second motive we see with the Apostle Paul is in verse 12. He says, that is, that I may be, uh, that we may, I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. And so not only was the Apostle Paul going to give something, he was also positioning himself to receive something. Amen? Because there's something called a, a, a mutual faith. That's what he talks about. Mutual faith or a corporate anointing. There's something special that happens when believers come together in unity. When believers get together in what is called the ecclesia or the church. There's something special that happens that we can't accomplish alone. Amen? And so this is why the Apostle Paul is saying, man, I want to get with you. Hebrews 10, 25 says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Aren't you never say as some people do? <laughs> Did you all see that? He said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is, is the manner of some. So even in the Hebrews day, there were those who would say, ah, me. <laughs> I don't want anybody else. And so he's saying, hey, as some people do, that's what he's saying. 
He's saying, you people, you need to uh, uh, stop with that in Hebrews, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I mean, Paul is talking about that the day of Jesus coming back is drawing near 2,000 years ago. Now, how closer could it be for us who are 2,000 closer into it? And he's saying, I mean, let me tell you something. Jesus could come back next year. But he could come back next month. He could come back next week. Oh no, he could come back today. After church, of course, the Lord is going to wait for us to finish. (laughs) He could come back. I mean, he could come back the next minute. And so he's saying, man, because of that, encourage one another. Get together so that none of you are devoured or they get distracted. Because keep the main thing, the main thing. Jesus at the center of everything that we do. So that when he comes, we are found ready and we can receive uh, our rewards. Amen. I mean, I wish I could talk about that too, but yeah. Verse 13, he tells us the third reason. He says, now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among other Gentiles. So the third reason the Apostle Paul wanted to go, or the third reason you and I should want to be involved in ministry is so that we can impart a gift, number one, right? Number two, there can be a mutual corporate anointing uh, and we can achieve things together. Number three is so that we can encourage one another to get some fruit. What does that have to do with anything? It's got everything to do with everything. Why? Because uh, uh, God wants our fruit to be the light of the world. Amen. Amen. Fruit is very important. It's the reason why God saved us and kept us here. I mean, think about it. If the goal was to go to heaven, you should have checked out the day you got born again. Get born again, then you go to heaven. No, the goal is to let our light shine uh, before others so that they may glorify God. That's Matthew 5.17, I believe. He wants our fruit to be evident in other people's lives so that when they come and they say, how do you do this marriage thing? You know what we do? We point them to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus Christ is at the center of this thing and that's why this thing is a success. And as we do that, we evangelize the world for the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Man, we should be getting ready. I'm excited about, about Jesus uh, coming back. Amen? And then the Apostle Paul then says in, in verse 14, he says this, uh, in, in verse 14, uh, after verse 13, right? He says, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians. You know, the erudites, right? And the unlearned. He says, I am a debtor. You know, this is interesting because the Apostle Paul, after he talks about his motive for ministry, he starts sharing with us uh, what I like to call the I am's of ministry. What are the I am's? What are the attitude? We talked about the motive for ministry. The Apostle Paul begins to share with us now the attitude that we should have towards ministry. And the first thing he reveals to us is, I am a debtor. In other words, I'm indebted. You know, we say the debt was paid, right? Jesus at the cross, Tetelestai. That was the debt for sin. But the debt to reach the world with the gospel, Jesus started to pay for it, but he didn't completely pay for it. That's why he turned it over to the church in what is known as the Great Commission. That debt, we haven't finished paying it. The debt to preach the gospel to a dying world. You and I are still indebted to preach the gospel to people outside uh, of the, the, the Christian family. 
It's a debt. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. You know, he says, I, I, am, I am a debtor both to the Greeks, you know, the, the people with uh, master's degrees and so on and so forth, and also to the unlearned, to the barbarians. You know, in other words, uh, both to the wise and to the unwise. In other words, when we take the message of the gospel, it must go to all the world. It must apply to everybody that we meet, whether they are uh, uh, of, uh, 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 you know, uh, well-off, you know, they are higher up the social uh, class ladder, or whether they are impoverished. It doesn't matter. They all need the gospel. In fact, sometimes uh, the people who are rich need the gospel more than the people who are poor. Because the people who are poor recognize and realize their need for the gospel sooner than the people who are rich. Amen. <laughs> I always do this with people who, who want to do missions. So we had a group coming here from uh, Caris Bible College, Heidelberg. 2017 was the year they came in. And uh, Alfred was leading the group and he came and he said, hey, Pastor T., uh, you know, we, we, we want to do missions with you guys and so on and so forth. And so I said, let's meet at Eagle's Nest. And then I drove here from the office. And by the time I got here, he had already gone and uh, started missions. So they went to some place, uh, impoverished place, and uh, they had already started ministering there. And then he came back. I said, hey, brother, what happened? You know, and he said, oh, no, we already started. We went there and we bought, you know, a few uh, pieces of chicken from KFC. And uh, we went and we preached. And I said, so what happened? He said, uh, we got about 15 people born again again, praise the Lord. I said, man, I hate to, to, to burst your bubble, but uh, uh, some of the people in those areas have mastered the game. Eat your food and say whatever prayer you want them to say after them. <laughs> you know, well, I, I was there, been there, done that. You know, they would come to our school and, and I don't have lunch money and I hear there's a church event. All they want you to do is to say some prayer after them. Oh, praise the Lord. I can do that. Yeah. Eat their food and get my, get my belly you know, field. I said, man, we've we got to change the approach. Yeah, absolutely. So I said to him, I'm giving you a challenge. Uh, why don't you go to Santon? Yes. And Amen. preach, because they also, he says to the Greeks and the barbarians, they went to Santon, started preaching, got kicked out of some of the offices. He said, man, <laughs> said, get out of here. We don't, I said, man, now that's some real spiritual warfare. On the weekend, they came, they said, we're going to go to Vitz. I said, no, we don't want to go to Viz. We want to go back there. I said, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Viz. And I mean, them, them kids, some of them kids uh, who are, you know, woke were coming and saying, I mean, it was, it was a fun time seeing the Holy Spirit just break down the walls of the Greeks. The ones who are wise according to the world standard. Don't just reserve the gospel for the unwise and for the poor and for the important. The gospel should also be preached uh, to the rich. Can I get an amen? And so the Apostle Paul says, I'm indebted to both the Greeks and the barbarians, the wise and the unwise. Verse 15, he says, so as much as in me, watch this now, the second I am, he says, I am ready. So not only does he feel indebted, he is always ready to do what? To preach the gospel even to you who are in Rome also. Ready, that word ready means I'm in a suitable state for an action or a situation. Fully prepared. Do you know how we do that? It is through our fruit. The reason why some of you can't be ready to preach the gospel at work is because people know you too much. Ooh, aren't your neighbor and say that was strong. That was strong. That was strong. Because they, they know you complain with us. 
You know, when you, you talk behind the boss's back with us. So when you turn around and you say, you know, do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? It's amazing how the unsaved know what the standard should be. They say, ah, Baba, I know I'm not saved, but uh, <laughs> the vessel is wrong. <laughs> so when the Apostle Paul says, I'm prepared, he's saying, hey, listen, I'm always in a suitable state, Right? I'm always, in a, I treat people with, with uh, uh, there was a gentleman in our complex, you know, he was one of the gardeners, and I always treated him with kindness, you know, Petrus, he was one of the sweetest men you'll ever meet, I always treated him with kindness, and the one time he, he, he disappeared for like three weeks, disappeared, I didn't know where Petrus is, and then he came back, and he said, Petrus, what's going on? He says, man, I've been sick, this thing has been, so I said, man, let me pray for you, he said, oh, please, man, I've been looking for you to pray for me, and I prayed for him, and I said, man, we should meet and talk about Jesus, he said, yeah, I would love to, you know, Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior, and, and we start talking, and then, only to find out that I was one of the few in the complex that treated him like a human being. He began to share, oh, that person at number two, and he shouted at me, that person. And, and man, what a witness. And some of them are Christians, professing Christians, right? But because of that, they can never say they are ready to preach the gospel to Petros, because Petros knows they ain't ready. <laughs> can I get an amen? And so as we go to uh, uh, our different, you know, mountains of influence, as we go out and meet with people, man, we ought to position ourselves with readiness to preach the gospel. And all that means is you have a green light on you. You treat people with kindness. When the opportunity presents itself, it's going to be easy for you to get the gospel in there. Amen. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. Man, I'm, I'm arrest that. Let me let me rest that. Verse 16. The third I am, right? This is the attitude of preaching. The third I am is, verse 16, for I am not this. I am not what? I'm not embarrassed about this, this gospel because I believe in it. I'm not ashamed of this gospel because I also know what it has done in my life. That's the message that the Apostle Paul preached. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it, it what? The gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jews first and also for the Greek. For in it, in it what? In the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live, how? By faith. And so the apostle Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And that word gospel is a powerful word. Seldom did they use the word gospel before Jesus went to the cross and died for us. The word gospel uh, means the almost too good to be true. Almost. In other words, this is so good, it, it's, it's, it sounds like a lie. You're saying there was one man who became sin so that we through that might become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus for free? See, that's the gospel. The gospel is this. The salvation of God has been extended to us free of charge. 
That's the gospel. The gospel is the restoration of our relationship with God is not based on do's and don'ts. It is based on what Jesus did for us at the cross. And so right now I've been preaching about two relationships that we get to uh, uh, encounter, two relationships that we get to uh, deal with on a day-to-day basis. The vertical relationship is, is completely by grace. Unfortunately, the horizontal relationship is by the fruit of your life. Amen? I mean, if Pastor C and I start acting crazy, none of you are going to sit around for that elga badge. Can I get an amen? amen? Because this relationship is based on what? On the fruit. Amen. It is based on the, the, the works in our lives. Can I get an amen? This is why you see a, a, a preacher. Man, this preacher is anointed of God. It's evident. Everybody can tell. This man is anointed of God. And then they just start acting crazy. They call them the three G's, right? They just start acting crazy with the girls or the guys. That would be crazy. Okay, the girls with the guys and the guys with the... Oh, it could be a woman. Yeah, you guys are right. Yeah. But not like guys. I mean, that's, you know, we shouldn't. I'm not even preaching about that. <laughs> and so the three G's, right? What are the three G's, you guys? The girls? Gold. What is the gold? The money, right? They start acting crazy with the money. And then the other one? Glory. <laughs> and they say, hey, this dude was anointed by God to preach the gospel. But they messed up the horizontal influence through the girls, the, the gold, and the glory. Uh, this man is going to heaven. He just lost his opportunity to minister to people. Because this, this thing is twofold. Can I get an amen? And sometimes grace preachers don't get it. They say, it's all by grace, so I can do whatever I want to do. In fact, I had one you know, preacher friend of mine, my wife and I, we're trying to correct him on some stuff, and he says this, he says this. This is what he said to our face. He said, my, my uh, ministry life is different from my private life. I said, I'm sorry, brother. Your ministry life, once you come into ministry, I want to know what you're doing in private. <laughs> That's what I said. I said, Baba, your private life ended the day you said, Lord, use me. Now we want to know, where were you? <laughs> but here's, here's what I want to talk about. That the gospel is what Jesus did for you and I at the cross. And when we hear the truth of the gospel, that God is not uh, dealing with us on the basis of our actions. For us to be in relationship with God, it's not on the basis of what you do or don't do. This will change the way you relate with God. It will change the way you receive from God. Because receiving from God is not based on keeping the 613 plus the 10 commandments. It is not based on any of that. Amen? God will still love you. However, uh, if you mess up one of those and there happens to be something in the law of the land about messing up that, God will still love you. If you murder someone, the Ten Commandments so don't murder. If you murder someone, God will still love you. You're going to heaven. You may just spend uh, the rest of the, your days here locked up somewhere. 
But God will still love you because his relationship with you is based on what? What Jesus did on the cross. Can I get an amen? amen? And so when we approach God, we must carry this attitude that God is not inspecting my life to find some disqualifications. Amen. God is inspecting Jesus as the sacrifice and Jesus was found worthy to be the perfect sacrifice to take away the sins of the world so that you and I could be reconciled with God. And this is where the power is. You want to function in power? Have a revelation of the gospel. And that word power there, it says it is the power of God. That word power there, again, it goes back to it is the ability to get results. You want to live a results-filled life where you see healings. I mean, we've seen people healed of all kinds of things in this church, in this ministry. We see people getting healed uh, uh, every week. I mean, last week we were reading, you know, testimonies uh, of people who were experiencing, you know, the power of God. Uh, we got a testimony uh, from Darcy Lusk. I think he's in... Uh, uh, in the U.S., I, I forget the state, and I mean, he, he gave us a testimony. He was telling us in the email uh, the the sermons preached by Pastor Henry. I mean, he was spelling out, "Please say thank you to Pastor Henry, Pastor this," and uh, people. He was thanking everybody, even the people that do the online hosting. He's listing them. He's I'm I'm like this dude is consuming the whole thing. He's saying, and He's in Pennsylvania. He said even the worship songs, I mean, he's listing the whole deal. And he's saying, man, these things have changed my life, radically changed my life. And so what we are saying uh, uh, to you is the power to transform, the power to see results is in the gospel. Anybody ever heard uh, this, this phrase, gospel music? Anybody ever heard that? Gospel music. Usually they say, someone sent me a, a song. Who sent me a song? I don't remember. It was one of my uh, mentees sent me a song. It says, uh, it was some hip-hop people. They did a song. He sent me, he said, is this gospel music? <laughs> so I listened to it, looking for the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is you and I were destined for destruction. For all have sinned. Romans 3, 23, we're going to get there. For all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. You and I were outsiders. This is the gospel. Simply put, Jesus came, took away the sin so that the penalty doesn't fall on us. And now we are reconciled with God based on what Jesus did. We can approach God with boldness. We can come right into the throne room of grace. The Old Testament people couldn't do it because they didn't have the gospel then. They, I mean, if a priest went in to sacrifice for the people they had to tie a rope on his leg so that if he messes up God strikes him dead they can pull him out but you and I we have an invitation to come in boldly into the throne room of grace not because of what we do we can approach God with confidence with boldness not with any inferiority not with any condemnation why because of what Jesus did on the cross simply put that's the gospel that Jesus made it possible for you and I oh we were Gentiles. We were not even a part of the covenant. We were outside, outside, right? And, and Jesus made it possible for you and I to become a part of the family by believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth. And that is the gospel. Jesus paid the price so that you and I could be back in relationship with God, terms and conditions not applying. No T's and C's. So I listened to that hip-hop song. I didn't hear the gospel. 
So it wasn't gospel music. And some, 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 it's, it may be Christian music. I don't know what Christian music, but it's not, the go it's not gospel music because gospel has everything to do with pointing people to the Father. Amen? I said amen. And allowing uh, 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 what Jesus did on the cross to bring us back into relationship with God. We're going to go uh, into chapter number uh, two, uh, uh, and then we'll wrap it up there. Then we'll go to chapter number three uh, next week. We're going to look at the Apostle Paul showing you that if salvation was by works, you and I had no chance. He's going to get good. Amen? I said amen. And so he says it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who does what who does what who believe all you have to do is to believe not believe in yourself anybody ever heard people oh you self-belief self-belief will get you killed i don't believe in myself maybe because i know me too much i cannot do a lot of stuff what i'm doing right now i can't do it and so I stopped believing in self. So I now believe in Jesus. Come on. I stopped believing in myself. I said, man, self-belief? No, you need Christ's belief. Amen. That's very good. And so he says, anyone who believes will receive salvation. Now, salvation is not just uh, our you know, fire insurance out of hell into heaven. Salvation begins now. He says this. He says you receive salvation. That word salvation is sozo, Right? It is soteria. To be saved means sozo. It means to be delivered. Someone shout, I'm delivered. <coughs> it means to be made whole. Someone shout, I'm whole. <coughs> it means to be healed. Someone shout, I'm healed. From the top of my head to the sole of my feet. And, and, and so people don't realize this when they receive salvation because they just are fixated on one thing which is to miss hell and go to heaven. So they miss out on all the rest of the packs that God has already put in the salvation package. Because he doesn't force it on us. It's like, you know, uh, a Sipo here, he's getting a new job, right? And, and we would sit down and he'd tell me what these people are going to... You know, it was funny. He moved so fast. We were talking about... The first prayer we prayed on this thing was in August. Uh, Sipo came back to my office two weeks later. He said, they want me by the 10th of October. I don't think I can do it, Pastor. Just said, come on, bro. This is God's speed. You better get used to it. I said, what's on the table? So show me the packs. They're going to pay for our flights. They're going to pay for our relocation. They're going to get us a house. They, they're already sending us five different options. Get us a house. And when it's God doing it, it's kind of cool, right? It's, all of a sudden, it's like, man, I didn't realize I was a top dog. Ooh, ooh yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> sending me five different flights. Which one would you like? Ooh, I didn't realize I had a choice. I mean, sometimes the devil beats you down so bad, you don't even realize you have a choice in the matter. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you beat you so bad, someone takes you out to eat, they say, what would you like? You just say, whatever they ordered. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? You walk up to a place and you feel you don't qualify. And they say, well, I would like this uh, such and such. And you're thinking, woof, I don't even, whatever they ordered. <laughs> I mean, the devil beats you up so bad, you don't realize that Jesus has made you somebody. Amen. Thank God for his redemptive power. 
Amen. Amen. Someone shout, I am somebody. I am somebody. In, Christ Jesus. in Christ Jesus. Not in yourself. I mean, if you get outside of Jesus, you become a nobody. But in Christ, you are somebody. Someone shout, I'm accepted. I'm accepted. In the beloved. I'm accepted by God the Father, man. I'm accepted by heaven. I said, let's look at the packs. We're looking at the packs, and they want to offer this, 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 and that. I mean, it would have been ridiculous for him to say, okay, I'll take the flies, but, ooh, no, don't worry about the house, you know. No, he said, I want the whole thing. And unfortunately, when people get born again, they receive the salvation package. They say, I want to miss heaven. I want to miss hell and go to heaven. But healing... I can just live with this sickness. Prosperity, ah, Lord, I'm not sure. I just want my mortgage, my Vodacom, my DSTV, and 1.2 for groceries. And God is saying, man, I, I've given you the whole thing. And we say, I know, Lord, no, I just want, yeah. And if you, if you have changed, maybe for my nails, then extra for my... For my nails. And I'm not picking on you because I was there. Sometimes the devil beats you up. You don't even know the meaning of salvation anymore. It's the whole package. And it comes through the gospel. Jesus already paid for it. Now it's time for us to believe and receive. Can I get an amen? It means to be prospered. It means to be healed. It means to be made whole. It means to be delivered. All of this is available free of charge. You don't have to go on a 21-day fast to earn something from God. Oh, just one year. Here. Amen? Amen? Man, you don't have to cut yourself. You don't even have to tithe to receive from the Lord. But because you've received, you get to. See, if you're doing something to try and get something from the Lord, you are in legalism. Your attitude is wrong. But if you are releasing something because you already received, the world, hey, I've already received. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. We, don't, we don't function in the fruit of the Spirit to try and get something from God, but we've received this fruit, so we allow it to flow through us. Man, if you start allowing the grace of God to flow in you and through you, some of you are going to need this, you actually get to a point where you don't know how to get angry anymore. Ew, people will try and rob you this way, that way, or the other. And when, you know, uh, 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 someone said, you know, it's like uh, petting a cat, right? You know, you if you pet the wrong way, right, the hairs stand up. You will learn just to turn around and let them keep petting. And now the hair is not standing up anymore. You actually get to a point where you don't know how to... People around you will get angry for you. Yeah. Say, come on. Yeah. Come on, pastor. You're going to have to do something. <laughs> Did you really hear what they say? <laughs> but I'm telling you, the grace of God is awesome. Let's, let's, let's close with this. Romans chapter number 2. The Apostle Paul is laying a foundation. He tells us about the gospel. And he tells us what it would do in our lives. It's fruit and so on and so forth. And he closes with this. Chapter number two. He, he starts with this. He says, you therefore have no excuse. Aren't your neighbor and say, no excuses. 
It says, you who pass judgment on someone else. So the grace of God, when you start learning about the grace of God, there's going to be a big temptation for you to start walking around passing judgment. Now, the word judgment is interesting in this context because uh, the English word judgment, if you look it up in the Bible, it has three different meanings. In other places, it tells you you're going to be judging angels. In another place, it tells you do not judge. Otherwise, you're going to be judged yourself. And when he says, do not do it, he's talking about do not condemn anybody. He's saying never write anyone off. Because Jesus died for them at the cross and redeemed them. So you you shouldn't write people off. And so he's saying here, do not pass a judgment on someone. In other words, do not condemn people. People go through stuff. But God is a God of restoration. He will bring them out of that stuff. And so we don't write people off. Amen? Some of the people we work with uh, 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 in life in general, some of the people we work when, when the outsiders look on from the outside, they say, man, you shouldn't be working with such and such and so on and so forth. I'm like, why? They're like, because they're like this, they're like that and the other. But they're looking at them outside of Christ. We are looking at them in Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? He says, do not pass a judgment on someone else. Do not condemn. For at whatever point you judge another, you're actually condemning yourself. When you judge someone else, you're saying what Jesus Christ had no effect. And you're saying your salvation is not powerful to turn even your situation around. So you're preaching to yourself. When you say to someone, this one, this case, this one. Uh, it's a, what do they say? It's a... It's a it's a, it's a buried case. This one is not turning around. When you say that about somebody else, you're actually taking the power from salvation for you. You're actually saying something about yourself. You're saying this salvation is not that powerful for me. That person will come out of it because it will work for them if they believe. But you're saying something to yourself. Ooh, this is good. So the Apostle Paul says, When you do that, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. What is the truth? The truth is Jesus went to the cross and died for us. That's the truth that God judges by. Amen? That's the truth. He doesn't judge you on your, 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 I mean, if if the Lord judged us on our actions. Ooh. We would all be toast. Because his actions, when the Lord says action, he's not just looking at what you do on the outside. He says if you look at a brother angrily, you've already murdered. I mean, if, if it was based on action, you and I had no chance. Can I get an amen? Amen. And he says this. He says in verse 3. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, condemnation, yet you do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt? You see, this is the net effect of, I just said it, and I told you, when you judge somebody and write them off, you, you, you are bringing a, a contempt towards God's riches. You are, make, you are saying God's riches do not have enough power, they are limited. They, they don't have enough power to change the situation around. And so he says this. He ends with this. This is good. He says, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you 
to repentance. Why don't you stand on your feet? I'm telling you, God's kindness is unending. Hallelujah. His mercies are new every single morning. And so when you mess up, you don't have to uh, live your life in condemnation. When you mess up, you don't have to, hey, just get up and start running again and allow the grace of God to flow through you. And all of us will miss it at one point. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. But what we do is we value the riches of his kindness. For it is the goodness of God that brings man to repentance. When you start zeroing in on how good God is, when you start receiving that truth in your heart, man, I'm telling you, it's going to turn things around. Can I get an amen? amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the gospel, which is your power to bring salvation, your power to change lives. Lord, this morning I pray for such a, 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 a powerful revelation of what you did for us at the cross when Jesus said it is finished, paid in full, tetelestai. I thank you, Father, that that work, that paid up work at the cross will begin to uh, take effect in our lives so that it can bear fruit, it can produce results. Lord, I thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice who may have been experiencing uh, seasons of barrenness in their business, seasons of barrenness in their family and relationships. Lord, I thank you that as they receive the truth of the gospel, you are turning that around. We rebuke drought seasons. We rebuke seasons of barrenness for Jesus came so that we can bear fruit. And so, Lord, I thank you that none of your children will ever go with a, with a hunger and an unmet uh, thirst. But, Father, that they will be filled with the truth of your gospel, the truth of your word. We rebuke drought seasons in businesses right now. We release new contracts. We release new ideas. Thank you, Father, for a new reign. Even as Elijah 7 said, I see a hand, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Lord, I thank you, Father, that right now there's something taking effect in the skies, over their businesses, over their careers, over everything that they put their hands to. I thank you for a rain, an outpouring of heaven that will bring forth fruit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. It is in Jesus' name that we pray and someone shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. <laughs>